Hey everyone, this is Last Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's episode, we talk about your 10 and 28 Detroit Pistons. Jacob Niffin of The Uncontested joins Ben and I to break down the Hamadou Diallo trade. We talk about Diallo's future role for Detroit, how the Pistons and the Thunder are two teams on a similar track, but much different places in the standings, and we have a pretty interesting discussion about Jeremy Grant's most improved player candidacy. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to have the conversation that we want to have around the podcast. In order to do that, though, you have to follow DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. Pleased, as always, to be joined by my usual co-host, Ben Gulker. Ben, how you doing? Laz, I'm doing good. Ready to talk about the uh, blockbuster trade edition of the DBB podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing good. This trade of uh, this trade of Mihailik was so big, we needed a guest. And so joining us, from the uh, undefeated, the Oklahoma City Thunder podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network is one of its hosts, Jacob Niffin. How you doing, Jacob? I'm good, man. Thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. No, no problem. Thanks for thanks for being willing to you know take some time out of your day to talk about this blockbuster of a trade. Hey, and anytime we get a chance to break down a trade, uh, I am ready to do that. And between the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Detroit Pistons, I have a feeling we're going to be Maybe not together, but we're going to do, be doing this a little more over the next nine days. Yeah, I, I, I was going to ask you about that, but we're going to get to that. But first, I think people deserve to know which blockbuster trade we're talking about. And so the uh, the Detroit Pistons acquired Hamadou Diallo from the Oklahoma City Thunder in exchange for Sima Hailuk and a 2027 second round pick. So, so Jacob, what are Pistons fans getting in Hamadou Diallo? So, Hami is a uh, 22-year-old, yes. He's, uh, I don't know, he, he played anywhere from shooting guard to power forward for the Thunder. He's 6'6". He's Most people know him as the slam dunk champion, uh, just this uber-athletic guy out of Kentucky. Um, I think uber-athletic is maybe even selling it a little bit short. Uh, I like to think that the, the NBA, the athletes in the NBA are like, top 1% athletes of the human race. And then Hami is like a top 5% NBA athlete. Like he is elite, elite athletically. And this season, it felt like he finally started to convert that raw athleticism into something viable actually on the court, right? It's not just he can run fast and he can jump high. He started to leverage that athleticism add a little bit of polish and a little bit of skill and really started to put a lot of stuff together. The Thunder were using him as a ball handler for a lot this season. There was a game where he had 10 assists, which if you would have told me back in, I don't know, November, that Hami would have a 10 assist game, I would have called you an idiot. Um, But he's had a 10 assist game. He's had a lot of games where he's, you know, scored in the 20s. And he's still not a great shooter. 
Uh, you're not getting a three-point shooter with Hami at all, but you are getting a guy who is just absolutely uh, just a tireless worker. He's going to go uh, 100% on the floor every time he's out there. He's got a, a nose for the ball. He is an incredible rebounder for his position and his size, uh, and he just attacks the rim with reckless abandon. Actually, uh, ESPN uh, Thunder reporter Royce Young uh, made the comparison the other day that Hamadou Diallo is kind of like a really poor man's Russell Westbrook in the sense that he is just relentless. All right, Ben, what do you think about super duper homeless person's Russell Westbrook? <laughs> I think that's just Russell Westbrook this year, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> oh man. God, right in the pride, Ben. Right in the pride. No, I'm, I mean, I'm interested. I'm super interested. The Pistons under Troy Weaver are definitely changing their reputation, right? I mean, for years and years and years, this is a team that struggled to bring in any sort of athleticism on the wings, any sort of secondary ball handling on the wings, um, and almost nobody who could really attack the rim. So, you know, the obvious concern here is the lack of three-point shooting, uh, and that's becoming a little bit of a concern at the wing position, I think, broadly. But, um, yeah, I'm super excited to see this athleticism, and this is obviously... Troy Weaver's vision for the future. I think unquestionably the shooting is going to be something he's going to have to address in the next couple seasons because you can't compete in today's NBA without shooting the three ball a little bit. But yeah, I mean, Svi, he, we talked about this last week, Les, he's sort of played his way out of uh, the rotation in some instances. Unfortunately, just didn't have the season many of us were hoping for. I will say I was a little surprised to send out yet another second round pick, but this one is so far into the future that it, it's hard to even bat an eye at it. There'll be plenty of opportunities uh, to recuperate that in the future. So yeah, I'm, I'm interested. I am very intrigued uh, by this, by this trade. Yeah. I, I imagine that uh, like the Pistons will be able to find another 2027 second round pick. Also, I don't think it's their pick. If I remember correctly, it's uh, Houston's 2027 second believe, round pick. I believe that's correct. Yes. Okay. And so, you know, you know, OKC's fate is, you know, even more inexorably tied with the fate of the Houston Rockets for the next couple of years. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to see uh, how Diallo plays, how, how they choose to like use Diallo uh, in a lineup, right? We already, like Ben, we talked about, we've added a ton of athleticism over, you know, over this season, but like between, you know, Josh Jackson and uh, Sadiq Bay and uh, like Isaiah Stewart, uh, we, we have a lot of bench guys who are not amazing spacing threats. And so I do kind of wonder if we're hitting a, like a point of no return where we won't be able to compete at the uh, NBA level in 2020, just because we don't have enough shooting on the floor, you know? Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think, um, definitely we knew the team was rebuilding, but if there was any question that wins are not the priority right now, I think this, this sort of sealed the deal in that conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Jacob, what do you want to know about Svi? Let's start with how the hell do you pronounce his last name? <laughs> <laughs> we go with Mahiluk. Mahiluk. I've heard both the hard K and the soft K. Just call him Svi. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's going to be my go-to, just V. Um, yeah, so so he's interesting, right? So, and, and you guys just mentioned this. 
you said he played his way out of the rotation, which I think typically for a generic NBA fan would say, oh, why did the the Thunder snag him, a, a guy who's played his way out of Detroit's rotation and a future seventh grader? Um, but the the MO on him is really just he is a floor spacer, right? He's kind of the opposite of what you guys got in Hamadou Diallo. Is this guy's just a, a floor spacer who's going to open up the lane a little bit more for Shea Gilgis Alexander? Is that correct? Yeah, that's about right. Uh, you know, obviously we, we say he played his way out of the rotation because he shot 40% from three on good volume last season. And this season he's shooting 33% from three on, you know, roughly equivalent vo- uh, volume. And so like that was a that was obviously like a disappointment for us coming into the season. But he shot over 40 percent from three all four years in college. He is like a very young dude for having played four years in college. And so I I definitely think there's a chance that he like, you know, he's not a 33 percent shooter forever. He didn't forget how to shoot. But uh, but Ben and you, you can speak to a little bit of this. Um, there was also some other aspects and areas of his game that we we liked seeing but the the shooting definitely like wasn't enough well what we were getting out of him this this year and you know under new gm it made uh it made sense as to why he was traded you know yeah i think there's um you know obviously the vision that troy weaver has for the franchise is to get long and athletic and and Svi is not necessarily that having said that though i think um one of the things that he's not or has not been able to do in detroit is run uh, the Pistons just play at a snail's pace. They have been playing at a snail's pace forever, it seems like. Uh, Svi does really like to run. So, yes, I do think you get floor spacing. That's his primary skill set. Um, I do think that there's a chance he'll be able to run a little bit more. Um, in OKC, they're in the top 10 in pace. So I think potentially that skill might flourish a little bit in a new in a new situation. Um and then, you know, whether he has a handle or not was kind of my question going into this season. I sort of assumed that the shooting would continue to be strong and whether or not he was able to break people down off the dribble would be, um, you know, a pretty important factor. I'm not really sure that's ever going to happen, but um, I, I do think the shooting and I think the running and transition are going to help. Um, as a defender, he's mediocre, maybe not mediocre to below average would be, even be fair. Um but yeah, I mean, I think this is a completely realistic trade because I think if that shooting does come back to 40% and he's able to run a little bit, he's a nice bench piece, I think. I, mean, I personally think he belongs in the A, uh, in the NBA, excuse me. Uh, it just, it was not, it was not the right fit anymore for Detroit. Yeah, on, on defense, Svi is a T-Rex, right? His, his, uh, his wingspan is shorter than his height. And so you could really see that that, um, and he's also like not the most athletic person uh, if we're still talking about, you know, the NBA players are the top 1% and Diallo is the top 5% of that, I would call Svi what, like the, he's like 75th percentile. He's not like terrible. He's not slow, but uh, he's also not very like laterally quick for a guy his size. And so his his main, what you're going to get out from him is what he contributes uh, when he's shooting behind the arc and spotting up and a little bit of passing, a uh, little bit of uh, ability to create some, some looks for others off the dribble. But uh you know, the, the wingspan also affects him finishing around the rim. He's gotten better at it this year, but it was still kind of a, a concern for him. Interesting. And see, the idea of this trade is so fascinating to me. Your listeners probably know Troy Weaver, assistant GM in Oklahoma City for what feels like forever under Sam Presti. And for the past 10 years in Oklahoma City, 
uh, you know, the the joke around the league is that they just draft a whole bunch of Andre Robertsons, right? Guys that have crazy long wingspans, high athleticism, uh, and are incredibly unpolished on the offensive end. Now with Troy Weaver gone, the Thunder are bringing in guys that don't fit that mold, and Detroit is bringing in people that fit that mold. So <laughs> leads me to believe, right, just simple logic and deduction would tell you that's kind of Troy Weaver's MO, right? And Troy Weaver, actually in Oklahoma City, was the guy who actively scouted and then got Sam Presti to draft Hamadou Diallo. So I don't think this trade came out of nowhere. I would assume this has been in the works for a while. Uh, Troy Weaver loved Hamadou Diallo. Uh, and actually kind of funny, um, I, I'm, I don't know if you guys knew this, but Hami and Svi uh, separated by two spots in that 2018 draft, pick, pick 45 and pick 47. Uh, so essentially, these two teams just swapped um, uh, two two positions uh, from a draft three years ago, which I found kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I was in fact cognizant of that. And it was funny because, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, the Pistons had, uh, you know, Bruce Brown and Kyrie Thomas, who were also taken in the second round of that same draft. And so they had three guys in the rotation or three guys, you know, on the team, I guess, from the from the, uh, you know, from the bottom four. Uh, 45-ish picks uh, so I, that was that was pretty cool but uh, but Ben do you think trading fee was the correct call like we I know we talked about how disappointing he was this season but we've also kind of thought that that's not who he was going to be forever as a player um, we've talked about how Troy Weaver wants to make a team that is you know more athletic and uh, and with a greater wingspan but uh, we've also kind of talked about our shooting concerns so you know, at this point in time, do you think trading Svi was was the right thing to do? Well, it's pretty clear to me that Svi was not a long term factor in in Troy Weaver's plans. It it it's becoming more obvious, right? Each passing day in this season, what Weaver wants to do. Um, and look, I don't think retaining Svi, if you're gonna if you're gonna keep him on the roster and retain him, it's not a make or break kind of trade, right? I think. You, you have a pretty good sense of who Svi is going to be in the NBA by this point. He's he, he kind of is what he is. I think, you know, shooting the ball, um, spotting up and coming off screens is, is just kind of who he is. And there's a pretty clear limit on the height of that ceiling, right? That's just who he's going to be in the NBA. So uh, I think trading him for, you know, someone who, as our guest Jacob talked about, you know, top tier athlete who is adding polish to his game and just his third season in the NBA. You know, I think you're, you're taking a little bit of a risk, kind of similar to Jeremy Grant in that, you know, you bring him into a new situation, you potentially give him a little bit of a different role, let him stretch his legs a little bit, right. And, and see what he's got. So, you know, ultimately the Pistons in order to get better than they are now have to take some of these kinds of trades, right. You want to take, uh, take as many shots as you possibly can in hopes that a handful of them, you know, pay off big. So yeah, I mean, I'm completely fine with this. Um, again, I don't think Hamadou Diallo is necessarily going to make or break anything this season either, just like it wouldn't have made or break anything to, to keep Svi. Um, but I'm in favor of taking these kind of chances and hoping that one of these, you know, crazy raw athletes, uh, finds a way to become a better three-point shooter or, or does something else really well that you necessarily haven't seen before because that's that's what you need is a rebuilding team. You need to give yourself as many bites as the apple as you can get, and then you need to get lucky a little bit and have a couple of them pay off. So I'm, I'm for this. I think this is fine. Okay. Okay. 
So I guess kind of along those same lines, Jacob, is Hamadou Diallo going to be missed like severely in OKC? Like I know he hadn't played for the last couple of games before the All-Star break because of a, a groin injury. I assume that's also going to delay his start in Detroit for a little bit. But, uh, you know, he w- he was a big part of the uh, the rotation in Oklahoma City. We're going to talk about the success that the Oklahoma City Thunder have had uh, this season. Like, you know, will he be missed? Was he a big part of that? Yeah, I mean, he was the Thunder's sixth man, uh, 100%. He, he was playing uh, starter minutes, uh, but coming off of the bench, uh, he was a big part of that rotation. And from the Thunder's perspective with him, like, I, I think there's a few reasons why Sam Presti decided to pull the trigger and and let Hamadou Diallo go. Uh, number one is, and we, we can dive into this, and I actually wanted to ask you guys this about Svi anyways, but both of these players are on the exact same contract, and they are both restricted free agents in this coming up offseason. Uh, I think Presti kind of canvassed the landscape. This is an offseason where there's going to be some teams with some cap space, and all the marquee free agents are now off the board. They've all signed their extensions. And so there is there are fewer players that are going to hit the market, but there's still money out there. That is the perfect recipe for somebody to get a large offer sheet. Uh, I think Presti looked at that and said, I don't know if I want to you know, pay Hami uh, maybe what the, the market will dictate for him. And Sam Presti's history with any free agent, restricted or unrestricted, is he either signs them to an extension or he trades them. Nearly, almost never do Thunder free agents hit the open market. The one exception was Paul George, uh, who didn't even really hit free agency. He had agreed to a deal and just signed it right as free agency opened that season. Anyways, the Thunder never let the guys go to free agency. So I think that's one reason why he decided to let Hami go. Uh, the two other reasons are, number one, Hami was really freaking good for this team. And by letting him go, it lowers the Thunder's floor. And by lowering their floor, they will lose more games and try to get in the top five of this draft, which promises to be, you know, uh, all the draft experts are saying this is one of the best top fives they've seen in the past 15 years. I think Sam Presti desperately wants to get in that top five. Trading Hami allows them uh, to have a better shot at that. And number three, Ty Jerome just came back up from the G League bubble and has been playing minutes since Hami's been out with that groin strain and has looked pretty good. And the thing is, Ty has two more years till restricted free agency. Hami had two more months till restricted free agency. So with Ty, they just have a longer runway uh, to get a feel for what he is and what he might be for this team moving forward, where Hami's time had kind of run out. So overall, like, will will they miss him as far as wins, losses? Uh, Maybe this season, but I think that's the whole point of this trade from the Thunder perspective is they wanted to trade him in order to rack up a few more L's. Hmm. Okay. I, I knew about the restricted free agency uh, upcoming. I did not necessarily know about uh, Sam Presti's MO when it came to restricted free agents or just like free agency of any kind. Uh, after losing Kevin Durant in free agency, I can totally understand why you wouldn't want to go through that process again with, with anybody else. Um, and so that is, that is pretty curious. Um, I don't know what kind of contract that uh, Troy Weaver would be willing to extend to Hamadou Diallo. I'm hoping not like an extreme one, just because, you know, I haven't seen much of Diallo play so far. We don't really know what he's going to look like in Detroit. I expect that relationship 
the, the strength of that relationship will uh, be enough to let Nami know that he's a part of the future without necessarily like a huge payday. I know, you know, the, the team traded Luke Kennard, right? Uh, and the Clippers immediately extended Luke. Uh, for because of similar concerns with his restricted free agency. But Diallo seems like a guy that Troy Weaver would be interested in, and Luke Kennard uh, seems like a guy he would be less interested in, just just classically. Yeah, so l- let me ask you, Laz. You say, like, you don't know if they will, uh, how much he's willing to pay, and they don't want him to give him maybe, like, a large contract. Like, what do you consider a high or a large contract for a homie? Like, if, if it came across tomorrow, uh, a Woj tweet hits, that says the Detroit Pistons have agreed to an extension with Hamadou Diallo for three years, blank million. What is that blank that you would say, oh, God, that's bad? Ooh, ben, what, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I'd like to see him play a little more, right? But, I mean, if he's if he's six-man, right? So he's six-man for the Thunder. Reasonably, that, that makes him, what, like probably top eight in a playoff rotation that's not concerned about shooting. I mean, if a playoff team's going to add him without a bunch of cap space, you're looking at mid-level and up, right? So, I mean, you start to get above the mid-level kind of money, and then my, my eyebrows start to raise a little bit, right? For a guy who's never shot 30% from three and plays on the perimeter when the Pistons already kind of <laughs> kind of have the market on that already. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think about Josh Jackson. Right? Like, Josh Jackson is the guy in my mind who I'm sort of comparing him to already. They play the same kind of position. They both struggle to shoot the ball. Their their shooting numbers actually eerily similar, but they're long, they're athletic, that kind of thing. Um, so you all, you already have this weird logjam, right? You've got Sadiq Bay to throw into that mix. They could all be fighting for minutes at the three, which is kind of weird. So I I do think it would be strange to see, you know, tomorrow or the next day that sort of a tweet hit where he's making ten twelve million over the course of of a three year contract, or excuse me, per annum on a three year contract. Yeah, I was I was also definitely thinking the mid level Ben, right? So three years, twenty seven million. Uh, you'd be like, okay, like I I understand it, right? Um, and part of the charm of Troy Weaver is that he's been able to bring in uh some of these players at a, a value that is a little bit lower than perhaps that they've expressed on the court, right? We we talked about the comparison to Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson was signed for the room exception, which is less than the mid level. Uh, we talked about, you know, we've talked multiple times on this podcast about Jeremy Grant and how that appeared to be an overpay, but now is probably about right and maybe even a slight underpay for Jeremy Grant. Same thing for Mason Plumley. And so I, I think I have a lot of faith that whatever contract uh, they end up extending to Diallo, he will be worth it. But uh, that number is also still like in the like nine, 10, 11 million dollar range. And st- once you start getting above that, things start getting a little bit trickier. Well, and I think the number of years is also pretty important too, because well, he's 22. You know, right. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, three years from now, the Pistons are not going to be knocking on the door of a championship. So do, we, we don't know. We don't know. Ben. <laughs> I, yeah. I suppose we could, we could win the lottery. That could happen. We, sure. could, win the, we could win the lottery twice. <laughs> <laughs> so a three year deal doesn't scare me too much uh, on a, on a young guy. No, that, that, that's a great point. Uh, so Jacob, you, you talked a little bit about Sam Presti wanting to lose games. And I did kind of want to ask you about that because, you know, the Thunder won today against Memphis or, uh, prior to the recording of this podcast, uh, they've already won 17 games with a roster that doesn't really look like it should win 17 games. And so, uh, you know, is 
is OKC better than what they've shown or are they kind of playing over their head in the first half of the season? So that's a great question. Also, yes, they did win today against Memphis. Uh, against Memphis when they had one starter and uh, three G leaguers, like one one of the regular starters and three G leaguers starting. Okay. Their starter was their best player, right? Like, yes. Yeah, no, definitely. And well, there's a few things here, right? Like Shea Gilgis-Alexander should have been an all-star this season. I'm going to say I'm biased. I cover the Thunder. That kid is freaking incredible. He is like, I, I don't have the stats in front of me right now, but since about uh, early February, whenever he came back from a knee sprain, he is shooting over 50% from the floor, over 40% from three, and right at about 85% from the free throw line, um, scoring like 25, 26 points a game and chipping in like seven assists a game. He has just been otherworldly efficient on a team that is 29th in the league in offense. Uh, Shea has just, you know, I made tons of jokes at the beginning of the season when people said like, oh, Shea's too good. They're not going to be able to tank. I was like, Shea is not too good to tank. Now I'm pumping my brakes a little bit like, oh, is, is Shea too good to tank? I don't know. <laughs> and then you have, you know, uh, the GOAT, the um, the demigod, Alexei Pokashevsky today, go for 24 and 10, I believe, uh, hit five threes. Um, I, uh, I, uh, I'm surprised I could even record this podcast and I'm not in a coma right now uh, after Poku's performance. But yeah, they're they are overachieving, right? They it was very clear to me uh, after their offseason moves that the Thunder's goal was to maximize their own draft pick. Um, they started winning a lot. Uh, I think you can contribute some of that to their new coach, Mark Dagnall, who has been phenomenal. I think you can contribute that to the development of the young guys and just how freaking good Shea Gilgis Alexander is. They went to the All-Star break. They came out. The first two games after the All-Star break, they decided to play uh, G League two-way player Moses Brown at backup center uh, rather than Mike Muscala, who has been having an incredible season and has won multiple games for the Thunder. Um, They have been starting Alexei Pokashevsky. Today, like I mentioned, they sat four starters. They still do not have George Hill back. So they traded Hamadou Diallo. And to me, that trade signified like the opening of the floodgates. I fully expect the Thunder to trade George Hill before the deadline. Uh, I am at the point where I expect them to trade Mike Muscala before the deadline. I think they are going to aggressively try to find a home for Al Horford before the deadline. And I would not be surprised to see another one of these young guys get traded as well. Now, Shea Gilgis-Alexander is not one of those young guys that will get traded uh, I do not believe Lou Dort is one of those young guys that will get traded, uh, nor either of the rookies this season. But they have overachieved. They've been playing really inspired basketball. Really, they're a bunch of tryhards. They just they bust their asses every game. Uh, take take the the Knicks game yesterday that the Thunder played, for example. The Thunder lost by twenty. But at one point, they were up in that game by like 15. And I think it's just because the Knicks waltzed in and said, oh, Shea isn't playing today. This is a cakewalk. And the Thunder just play as hard as they possibly can. Uh, they have this identity about them that they never give up. Uh, we, we sometimes on the uncontested, we call them the Goonies because they never say die, right? They just fight and fight and fight. And they they claw their, their way back in games that they shouldn't. 
But with that being said, I think they are going to continue to trade off some guys. They're going to rest guys. Uh, Shea did not play yesterday uh, because of, uh, I think they called it a thigh contusion. Uh, he looked perfectly fine today. So I think they're going to continue to uh, to use these injury excuses to rest guys, try to lose more games. But I'm kind of starting to run out of faith that they're going to be able to drop down into that bottom five, which is what the ultimate goal is. Now they do have the Houston pick. Uh, that Houston pick this year is top four protected. Uh, I think Houston's going to land in the bottom four records in the league. But even if Houston ends up there, it's an essential coin flip on if they end up in the top four. I think if you have the worst odds in the league, you only have a 52% chance of a top four pick. Uh, so the Thunder will take that coin flip to try to get pick number five or six from Houston uh, and then use their own picks to try to trade up in this draft to try to get as high as they possibly can. But they have definitely overachieved, and I think it's a, a, a myriad of reasons, but primarily just because these young guys on this team uh, just scrap and claw and fight and play a really good brand of basketball. Ben, a bunch of young tryhards. That sound familiar <laughs> at all? Seriously, I was just thinking, like, wow, Hami's going to fit right in. <laughs> Because that's what the Pistons have done all season. I mean, even this week, the two games they played this week, like they just refused to to lose until the last two minutes of each. They, of those they took games. Brooklyn to the buzzer, right? Well, not quite to the buzzer, but close enough. I mean, they took it to James Harden heroics. I mean, that's what it took to to put the Pistons away. So yeah, I mean that's that's the same kind of thing we're seeing in Detroit. So that's interesting. Yeah. So so Ben, I guess I want to ask you then. So would you rather? How would you feel if Detroit was in Oklahoma City's position then? With you know an equally uh, an equally uh, what's the word an equally like similar core of like never say die and compete to the whistle and everything, but and you know and a lot of development shown from their young players, but more wins under their belt and a lower shot at a top five pick. So I had forgotten that they had Houston's pick, and wow, is that interesting. So you're paying so close attention to Houston and Oklahoma City right now. Wow, because you could you could really cash out if Houston just, just wins just enough games or the, the lottery balls or whatever they use bounce the right way, right? I mean, I, I kind of like the Pistons because I see so much less potential for winning. Like <laughs> Detroit and Minnesota are just going to be fighting – right to the death of, of who's going to be worse because look, I mean, even if Hamidou is good, like it's a question of fit. Like the things that he's good at sort of overlap with things that the Pistons already have guys who are good at those things. So he doesn't necessarily add anything new to, 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 to shore up the rotation. Right. So I think they're still going to be really bad. Um, you know, winning one of every four games or so feels about right. So to me, I mean, obviously we know about the Pistons, luck lately in the draft in the lottery which is to say terrible um, lately like, try well, like last 20 forever years. Yeah. <laughs> forever you know we we blew the one chance we had right with darko um so yeah i think i i think i kind of like detroit if we're just talking about you know lottery odds right now but you know if you could go you know five six or four five uh in in the lottery with with oklahoma city that's super interesting as well no ab- absolutely so, so Jacob, would you would you switch places with us? We have way more losses, but uh, equally, you know, com- competitive young guys. Eh, that's a tough question. Like, I'm, I am so sold on Shea Gilgis Alexander that, you know, I, would you rather have Shea and pick 
eight in this draft or um, cross your fingers with Killian Hayes and get pick three, right? Like, I think that's an interesting question to ask. Um, so that, that it, it's so hard to, to make that determination. Uh, with that being said, I, I am firmly uh, in the church of Cade Cunningham. Um, yeah, and, you're, and, you're close to you're closer to Cade than we are, so I understand that. Yes, yes. Uh, he that kid is just he's got it, man. He he absolutely he's got it. So if I could have better odds to land Cade uh, and be in Detroit shoes, I I might take that. But it's just so hard because that means I'm betting against Shea Gilgis Alexander getting even better and. I don't know if I can do that because every year since his senior year in high school, he has made a leap. And so I don't want to bet against that anymore. Like he might come back next year and be even better again and be like an all-star lock and be in like the conversation for like third team all NBA or something. Like I, I seriously don't think that's out of the question for him right now. And so it's, it's really a, do you take the known commodity or do you, do you roll the dice and, and hope that, that one of those guys in the top two, three, four, uh, end up really panning out and being that generational star. Um, with that being said, though, I wanted to ask you guys, let's say Detroit lands at pick two. You don't, you don't get pick one Cade's off the board. You land at pick two. Who's your guy there? Ben, do you have a guy yet or no? No, I don't yet. Yeah. We, uh, so I think I would probably take Evan Mobley out of USC. He would be, uh, I, I think he's probably the the best second best player in this year's draft, so it would make sense to take him too. It's a little bit of a weird dynamic with you know just taking a center in Isaiah Stewart uh, last draft in the first round, and Stewart has played well this year um, and looked great, and you can obviously see why he was a first round pick. Um, so you know putting another guy uh, in in the front court next to him, or you know putting a guy ahead of him in the rotation. Uh, making him like making him a backup center forever uh, seems kind of uh, like a waste of resources. But then you look at what Mobley is capable of um, as a defender that can step out and make threes as, as a ball handler and as a passer. Um, he would fit seamlessly with whatever Killian Hayes is going to be uh, in the 20 games or whatever we're going to see of Killian this year and, and beyond. Um, and so I think I think Mobley would be my pick. If, if they got two now, obviously I am also just like holding out hope for number one and Cade with, with slightly better odds. Um, so we'll see, we'll see where we end up on that front. No, I think and I am just yeah. preparing myself for soul crushing bad luck. <laughs> yeah. Ben, Ben is preparing for us to pick five and <laughs> that's fine. Well, Hey, in this draft, I think even getting five, isn't the worst thing in the world. I mean, you end up with five and you have to take Jalen green or Jalen Suggs. Like, I, I don't think that's, that's awful. You know, no, that, that's I think a good point. any of those top five, I think you got to feel pretty good about uh, coming out of the draft. So obviously you want Cade though. I think Cade, Cade's a point guard. That's the size of Kawhi Leonard. That's just, it's ridiculous. Yeah. That's crazy. It's just yeah. absurd. <laughs> All right, Jacob, uh, does Troy Weaver have any more dudes that I should know about? Should we be uh, looking out for anybody else for him to try and nab from the thunder <laughs> in the last, like, uh, you know, 10 days before the trade deadline? Um, I don't know if there's anybody left on this Thunder roster that he was had a hand in drafting. I'm trying to think, but I think all those guys have already been traded. 
who, so who who were his guys then? Who should who should we be looking out for uh, at the um, trade deadline? So I I don't want to alarm you, and I do not want to alarm your fans. Um, but oh, I, I like where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> Troy Weaver's like the 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 one I really remember, and maybe this is just because it's it's so bad. Troy Weaver's guy, his absolute guy that he went for was Mitch McGarry. You guys oh, even remember hey. Mitch McGarry? Hey, go blue. You're talking. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Um, the the guy that is out of the league now because he smoked a lot of weed, rode a unicycle, and had pet snakes. Um, yeah, that guy was was his dude in the draft. So, little concerning there, but the mo is matching up. I mean, we we've talked a little bit about Jeremy Grant here. Um, you know, Jeremy Grant came to Oklahoma City uh, from Philly. Uh, in a trade for Urson Ilyasova and like a conditional first round pick that I think ended up conveying last year. Um, but Jeremy Grant came to Oklahoma city as like an incredibly raw athlete that uh, really started off playing five for the thunder. He was the backup center uh, and has developed and flourished. I thought he really started to polish his game in Oklahoma city, uh, got traded to Denver now in Detroit. And I mean, you guys are seeing firsthand how much his game has developed. So with Troy Weaver, I think that's his MO is these these long athletes, but you can see the progression. I mean, especially if you look at Jeremy Grant in Oklahoma City, you can see that progression that Jeremy made. And I think that's all, a lot of that is due to the tutelage of Troy Weaver. So there's nobody really left on the Thunders roster, but it, I think just those types of guys are seeming to really be what Troy is out for. But I think he's also had a lot of success in helping to develop those guys and putting them into an environment uh, where they can grow and they can, you know, if not reach their ceiling, get close to it. Uh, You know, I I think of guys like Andre Robertson um, pre, what was it? An an Achilles tear for Andre or a quad tear? Uh, Patellar tendon. Yeah, that's right. Um, Like, like that was a, a Troy Weaver type of guy. I, I think Troy had a, had a hand in that draft night trade to, to get, Dre. And so, uh, those types of dudes, again, just these long athletic freaks, um, that are limited offensively. And I think maybe the, the mindset there is you can teach somebody how to shoot and dribble. You can't teach them how to have seven foot three wingspans. Uh, that, that makes sense. And that's uh, a philosophy that, uh, has not been in, in Detroit. And so I, I'm very curious to see how it plays out over the long term uh so the only other thing well one of the the big things i wanted to wonder openly about was just so jacob we've on this podcast just been uh considering jeremy grant a lock for most improved player um he's averaging you know 23 points five rebounds and three assists uh you know extreme uh extreme heights from where his numbers were last year but one of his main competitions on that front would be Shea Gilgis Alexander, who we've talked about a little bit already on this podcast. Uh, you know, we, you are perhaps a, a different kind of bias than, than Ben and I. So what, what do you think of that race between Jeremy and Shea uh, for most approved player? Um, yeah, that, that's a really good question. I personally, I think that, younger guys do not get the nod for most improved as often because you expect them to develop in uh, year two, three, four. 
Uh, Jeremy is well past that. And so for him to make a leap like this, uh, especially as the number one option on a team um, in year, what is this now? Like year five or six for him? Uh, year seven, I don't even know where he's at in his career now, but that seems a little more significant than um, a 22-year-old uh, who is just now getting to to spread his wings a little bit more. And so I would give the the nod to Jeremy Grant there. Now, don't get me wrong. I think Shea's ceiling is incredibly high. Uh, he's got a lot of room to continue to develop. Uh, I just think where they're at in their careers uh, it's a more impressive leap for Jeremy to make make that jump at this point, uh, where I think people kind of expected Shea to continue to get better. Now he's better than we thought he would be this season, um, but still, I, th- I think the age difference uh, lends itself to Jeremy getting the nod there. Great answer, Jacob. You are welcome <laughs> on the podcast anytime. Uh, well, I appreciate it. Yeah. All right, Ben, uh, was there anything you wanted to ask Jacob about? I wanted to open the floor for you a little bit. I know I've been directing things. No, I, Jacob, I really appreciate the, the value you add to the conversation. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, interesting to see how our franchises are both aimed in the same direction, but, but coming from different starting points. So Jacob, really a pleasure to have you. Yeah, I, I appreciate you guys. And uh, no offense, but I hope we are uh, we are both on pins and needles and uh, on on draft lottery night. And I hope the Thunder get a few more ping pong balls. And you guys love you, but I hope they get a few more ping pong balls. <laughs> All right, Jake. Let let the people know where they can uh, find more of you, where they can listen to you and the rest of the guys at the Uncontested. I am on Twitter, just at Jacob Niffen. The last name is K N I F F E N, and our podcast is at the underscore Uncontested. Uh, we record every Sunday night and after every Thunder game. Uh, we're just a bunch of idiots talking about basketball, but we have a blast doing it. So if you're if you're into listening to us, just gush about Shea Gilgis Alexander and Alexei Pokashevsky. Uh, you can check us out and um, and yeah. So I think that's that's about it. We're on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, really anywhere you get on social media. So feel free to check out the Uncontested. And uh, yeah, you can follow me for some. Uh, spicy Shea takes and uh, some some poor memes. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have we have one uh, individual on Detroit Bad Boys who is uh, obsessed with Pokashevsky, and so I, I highly encourage Scott to check out uh, all of that content. Uh, ben, uh, where can the people find you? Where can the people commiserate with you about Isaiah Livers? <laughs> Man, what a heartbreaker! Yeah, I mean, if if you're into idiots talking basketball, you can find me at br golker on Twitter. That's uh, one more idiot talking to follow. <laughs> <laughs> and if uh, you want to watch me be sad about Michigan State losing in the first round this year, you can do that on Twitter at Last Chance. That's at l a z c h a n c e. This has been the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week. See you.